There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. We will continue exploring, discovering new worlds, new civilization. Welcome to the Captain's Chair, a podcast on all shows in the Star Trek universe on the Fangirl Zone. I'm Chief Engineer Steve, and joining me on this mission into the unknown is... Redshirt Dave, as usual. Glad to be here. Tonight we'll be discussing Episode 5 of Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery. Episode 5 already, Steve. I know. We're (laughs) getting close to being halfway through already. It's incredible. But we did get some movement in this episode, which I thought was fascinating. Oh, yeah? Concerning what? Oh, a couple things. (laughs) The overall plot? (laughs) Well, no, I kind of understood the overall plot. Uh, I didn't expect it to go as well as it did at uh, Starfleet. I figured they'd basically get tossed in the brig. (laughs) I mean the overall season's plot, not the episode's plot. Well, yeah, I think we did get some movement on on two areas. Uh One being Giorgio. And whoever this person who mm-hmm. interrogated her is. Yes. And what the hell was up with her there at the end? Was I don't that know. It's like, she was, it's like she was phasing herself. I mean, I, I've been thinking about it. And you know how she deconstructed the hollows by blinking at them? Yes. No, I'm jumping a little ahead here. But I, I think she was blinked at, too, in a manner of speaking. Oh, okay. Just taking her out of phase somehow. I mean, the, at a, what, a biological, deep biological level, she's different from people in our universe, the Terrans are, that is. Absolutely. But they can't be that. I mean, maybe it's some type of, like, I mean, vibration, but certainly both species can exist. Oh, yeah. In, in the other's universe. So that difference can't be that great. No. The Chimera, they called it. However, I think he was able to exploit it, this Kovic character. Oh, yeah, absolutely he did. He he knew exactly where to hit Giorgio. It, it was amazing that somebody that we've never seen before was able to just knock her down several pegs. Yeah. And I'm yeah. not sure that that Giorgio we saw back on Discovery wasn't programmable matter. And <laughs> real Giorgio stayed with Kovic. <laughs> wow. But he'd want to keep that, that subterfuge going. Can't see it fail first time someone confronts her. Right. Call yourself a 30 century person. <laughs> Or in the 31st century. Yeah. The other thing that definitely got my attention was the lullaby that everybody seems to know. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I wrote. It says, do you want to go ahead? I just have some thoughts on that, too. Okay. No, that's fine. Well, I wrote the lullaby is, is a constant and a possible construct of the new timeline. So it's like it's a symptom of what's changed. 
until everyone knows it. And I think there's a probable connection to the burn of possibly possibly the decline of the Terran Empire, too, although that could be just a coincidence. I don't know. But I think this Kovic character is aware of the timeline difference, if there is a timeline difference right, that yeah. uh, Burnham made when she moved, you know, moved everyone into the 31st century. Right. I think he knows. I think he knows certainly more than he's letting on. No doubt about it. But that. I, think that, I think he knows that something changed along the way. Yes. And speaking of something that changed, could it be tagging on to your tinfoil hat theory about Burnham being the cause? Oh, definitely. Could it yeah, not that's... have been Mama Burnham? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could have been. Yeah, because she got sucked back without the Red Angel suit. Yeah. So that very well could have been the cause of all this as well. Yeah. Because nobody's heard of her here. Right. She exists in the right timeline. Yep, more I than think. likely. <laughs> yeah. Huh. All right. Well, let's get into this or we'll be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. We'll be hat for yeah. an hour. <laughs> You'd have to go down to the supermarket just to get some more <laughs> tinfoil. Yeah. <laughs> I'm running out of hat material. <laughs> Joe, here we are at episode five. It's called Die Trying. After reuniting what remains of Starfleet and the Federation, the USS Discovery and its crew must prove that a 930-year-old crew and its starship are exactly what the new future needs. <laughs> yeah, the is just as... it all. <laughs> yeah. We open with our first Captain Logs from Saru as he informs us that the Discovery has indeed arrived at Starfleet and the Federation, both housed in the same location. Yeah. He also called her number one for the first time, right? Yes. Yeah. That was kind of cool. Yes, it was. Burnham joins him in is, the Go ahead. I was just going to ask. I'm sorry. I'm doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> this is just Navy, a Navy thing that bothered me about rank and captaincy. Is He's not a captain, is he? Was he ever promoted a captain? Strictly captain to rank? I'm saying this because when you captain a ship, you can be referred to a, as captain. When Burnham took the ship to find the, find the seed bank, yeah, they kept calling her commanders. It's okay for her to be called captain because she had, she's holding the captaincy right. of the ship, I think. It's like, here's some boomer talk for you. It's like uh, Mikhail. <laughs> Quit Mikhail <laughs> from Mikhail's Navy. Yes. <laughs> he was a lieutenant commander, but he was captain of the ship. Right. So I don't know. I'll, I'll have to look into that deeper. There's a tangent. I didn't mean to take us down. <laughs> but it, and since he's he's the captain's log, I don't know if he's strictly a captain, though. Right, yeah. Do we have- as far He wasn't a captain when he left the 23rd century. <laughs> yeah. They'll, they'll have to formally take care of that and promote him to captain. If she's a commander, there's lieutenant, lieutenant commander, commander, and then I think it's captain. Right. Which is the same rank as a colonel in the army. Yeah. And I think Saru's actually a commander like Burnham is. Yeah, I think so too. We'll have to start a letter writing campaign, Steve. Yes. Fix that. <laughs> <laughs> so Burnham joins him in his ready room and wonders if she'll get any more information on the burn or her mother. Not likely. <laughs> yeah, not yet. They arrive on the bridge where Detmer informs them that Discovery has arrived at the Federation headquarters, but all they see is a distorted star field on the view screen. A security measure to mask the location, but Saru says Discovery is expected and orders Detmer to fly the ship forward. So if it's a security measure to mask location, how come you can see the distortion? Yes. <laughs> Not <laughs> is that just for us? cloaking field. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They got to talk to the Klingons and the, the, the Romulans. That's not how you do it. No. 
As it pierces the distortion field, the crew is amazed to see the interior is a massive toroidal space generated by glowing platform at the center with multiple starships inside. And elsewhere on the ship, Stamets and Reno and dozen of other crew members also crowd around the windows in amazement. That's kind of funny. As they're really actors, I don't want to spoil anyone. First anyone's bubble. Yeah. But when you're an actor, even though I think they're real, you have to walk up to this fake window and stare into fake space. Right. And act and act super happy. Yeah. And all. <laughs> and cool. <laughs> that that's what constantly amazes me. They all seem genuinely happy. Look at that. Yes. What? You mean that tennis ball hanging yeah. from the roof by a string? <laughs> yep. And Bryce hails headquarters to report their arrival and are responded to with a scan. Of course, they're going to be scanned. Yeah. A little surprised they weren't contacted verbally, though. Yeah. Detmer reports she's lost helm control, and Bryce reports that headquarters will dock the Discovery remotely, and has ordered Saru, Burnham, and Adira Tal to beam over. I'm kind of surprised they didn't pull a Earth Defense Force movement and just beam them over there themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm surprised they didn't have some type of hologram stand on the bridge, at least, as a form of communication. Right. Yeah, the way Vance was, you'd kind of expected that that's what he would have done. He would have yeah. been hollow projection over until he got more comfortable with who they actually were. Yeah. I was watching Thor Ragnarok last night, and Thor's in prison on the prison world, and Loki comes to visit him. And so Thor picks something up and throws it right at him, and it disappears through him. And, he, and Loki goes, well, you didn't expect me to personally come here, yes. did you? I'm not that dumb. <laughs> Burnham surmises that Starfleet scans were precise enough to recognize the tall symbiote. Must have been. Yeah, I guess so. Saru leaves the con to Nielsen and the three beam directly over to the bridge. Have we discussed that uh, Nielsen's actress was the original Amira? Amira, yeah. Yeah. Did we, we cover that? I'm sure yeah, everybody knows. I think we did, yes. Okay, that's good. So yeah, what? It's funny, You some of the reviews are like, who is this person? You know, and it's like, come on, guys, do your homework. You know who that is. <laughs> yeah, I know. Did she have a problem with the makeup? And that's why they had to get someone else play Amira the second season? I think that I read that somewhere. Yeah, anyway, that's wow. probably true, yeah. Boy, you don't have to call me Dave. You can call me Tangent because I'm just spinning off <laughs> all over the place, <laughs> musing. Anyway, Steve, not quite the greeting they were looking for. I wrote in my notes, greeting was as frosty as Admiral Vance's hair. Yes. <laughs> Oded fair. Is it fair or do you pronounce it? Or fur? Fur? Anyway, Oded yeah. as Admiral Vance. He, he has uh, automatic gravitas to him, especially with that gray hair. Yes. Much different so, than his mummy role, that's for sure. Yeah, I know. He always reminded me. He always looked like George Harrison to me. Some more boomer talk. And now everyone's like Googling, who the heck is George Harrison? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. So, from Admiral Charles Vance, we learned that the Federation now consists of 38 planets down from a peak of 350. Ouch. Saru's native Kaminar is a member in the presence of the Emerald Chain, an Orion and Dorian alliance controlled by Osira is detected by the USS Cuyahoga in the Sigma Draconis system. Cuyahoga. There was an REM song. That's not quite boomer talk. No. <laughs> <laughs> Getting there, though. Yeah. Saru and Burnham bring Vance up to speed on Discovery's history, the spore drive, and the sphere data. But the lingering effects of the 30th century wars related to the temporal cords leave the Admiral reluctant to trust time travelers. That was part of this. When, when we were first talking about the lullaby, yep. there's some cognitive dissonance there that I haven't quite put my finger on yet. 
they're talking about temporal wars that led to these accords. I wonder, I wonder if there really were wars or they thought there were, or that's part of the construct they're not aware of. Something like that. I don't know. I haven't put my finger on it yet. I, as you said earlier, we don't have enough aluminum foil yeah. to jump down that rabbit hole yet. <laughs> Vance intends to refit Discovery and reassign the ship's crews, causing Burnham to secretly encourage Saru to illegally obtain records regarding an illness infecting Keeley refugees. Man, she she hasn't learned anything. No, this is... She has a thing for authority. century Burnham, that's for sure. Yeah, I know. 930 years older and she hasn't changed a bit. Burnham wants to find a cure in order to prove the crew's worth, but the captain insists on following proper protocol to get the data. Yay. Finally, someone who follows protocol. <laughs> the yeah. crew is informed of this decision by Saru in the cargo bay, but encourages them to let the process work. Holographic interrogators question the rest of the crew, including Tilly, <laughs> who, after I got my hair blown out, I became a Terran Captain Dominatrix. <laughs> they should have had some real people, because even the uh, the hollow uh, interrogators were like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they <laughs> what? get any of these great <laughs> I know from anybody. I know. <laughs> yeah. Culper, I was murdered. I can do a number on you, but my murder and I are good now. <laughs> Okay. Reno was like, it was raining Starfleet officers. That's her typical dry humor. Can <laughs> and I Stamets, get a snack? <laughs> yeah, can I get a snack? I'm going to need something to drink. <laughs> Stamets, uh, have you been talking to Detmer? Oh, I thought they settled that. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, like, because I can't seem to get away from that question. Yeah, it was because they she asked him if he was an essential personnel. And, yeah. Know, that's got to be his sore spot right now. <laughs> I know it. It's funny. Giorgio pulls a Kirk-style maneuver to confuse and short-circuit the holograms assigned to debrief her. Silly hollow. I can't do her imitation. You cannot rattle me. <laughs> nope, I'm not going to do it. By introducing a fabricated biological component to my nastiness and inherently bad behavior. I'm extremely wicked even for a Terran. <laughs> I wish I could imitate her. She does it so well. Oh, I know. The fact that the Federation scanners can now distinguish Terrans from humans builds on the notion that the people in the mirror universe is Earth are a completely different species. Well, I, you know, that's when I started spinning out of control with um, maybe they... I mean, you couldn't tell. There's nothing. Even a ship's computer won't detect uh, Terran. I mean, what's his name? On the first season of, of Discovery, no one knew. Why would they know? No. Yeah. There's nothing. Couldn't, couldn't tell Lorca was not human. In the... Uh, and, you know, if you're going to be beamed somewhere and then, you know, reassembled, something should go off like, hey, wait a minute, the com ship's computer should know. We just beamed this guy and he came back and there's, he's not the same as everybody else. Right. Even at that level, it should set off a, an alarm. So I don't know. That's a tough one. But it's a clue. It's yeah. definitely a clue. A lone organic interrogator in intrigues Giorgio, but he, he also rattles her by revealing that the Terran Empire fell centuries before the distance between the two universes has expanded and no crossing has occurred in over 500 years. Yeah, that's Kovic. Yeah. You should have called him Kojak. Yeah. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, he knows so much about the Terran Empire, which is yeah. very interesting. And they're only 930 years in the future. And he's saying there's <laughs> no crossing in over 500 years. So that only leaves 400 years for them to develop some type of way to determine if this person is Terran or not. Yeah. What ha Or what was the event after right. 400 yes. years? Exactly. It caused, yeah, if there was an event. Yeah. And it could be that ripple effect that, that Burnham caused by launching everyone 930 years in the future. It just ripples back through time. Right. Like a rock in a pond, Steve. Yes. <laughs> 
How many times have we heard that one? Pun. Yeah. So it's time for mission time. Meanwhile, Starfleet is facing its own crisis as a species of refugees are afflicted with a mysterious and incurable illness. Seeing an opportunity to prove Discovery's worth, Michael volunteers the ship for a mission to save the day. Crew would go to the Tickoff, a ship used to archive plant life from around the galaxy that started collecting these things back when they were in the 23rd century. There, they would get the seeds from plant that the refugees had visited before bouts of radiation infected everything. So it's a simple black and white solve the case here. (laughs) Right. Those seeds would allow them to make an antidote and save countless lives. Of course, it was interesting to hear Vance tell him that it would take five months to get to the tickoff. And Burnham goes, well, I can be there and back in no time. Yeah, at least she didn't put an L up to her forehead when she said that to right. him. Right, yeah, Vance God. begrudgingly agrees, but <sighs> makes Saru stay behind as collateral, leaving Michael to command this high-stakes away mission. I thought she was pretty impressive as a commander, too. Well, oh, as I did, ship's too. captain. Oh, Take charge. A, I mean, yes. Right absolutely. away. They're test- and, of course, we, he has uh, his security officer, Willa, join them. Yeah. I think you got it backwards, though. You keep Michael and send yes. <laughs> the guy you can trust. Not the smartass who's been giving you a hard time since she met you. Exactly. Oh, well. <laughs> Task becomes a tad bit harder as the tick-off is caught in an ion storm. Man, have we seen those before. Oh, yeah. We get them all the time here in Woodstock. Oh, yeah. They're (laughs) able to grab the ship thanks to the skills of Detmer, though her self-deprecation afterwards seems to indicate her shaky mental health issues from the previous episodes continue. And I mean, mentioned it. Yeah, I wrote in a note, yay, to that. Because you just can't end it. You can't just end it and say, oh, she's fine. Right. Just like Stamets. Yeah. So it's nice that they didn't just drop those storylines because they had a a drive-in movie in the cargo bay. I know. Everything's better. (laughs) Good old 20th century humor. (laughs) Right. Now, Michael chooses to take Culber as well as a surprising choice in Nan. Of course, they're going to highlight Nan. Because yeah. we haven't had it yet, and that <laughs> usually means bye-bye. <laughs> yes, I know. Suddenly you're in the forefront. Yes. That can't be good for you. No. Of course, the tick-off was last inhabited by a Barzan family, making the security officer of great use, even though she has not seen any of her kind since joining Starfleet. Three find the tick-off overgrown with plant life. That was kind of cool. Yeah, it was. And you think, well, those that what's wrong? That that shouldn't be here. You're <laughs> yeah. <it's> not plants. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now the atmosphere allows Nan to let her hair down and she is struck by a hologram of the previous occupants playing together. She Did you notice anything about her eyes? Yeah, they changed. They did? Yes. How? I think they got darker. Well, being in her home atmosphere. Home atmosphere, she didn't I didn't notice a change. I even looked for it. I'm like, Burnham goes, your eyes. I'm like, yeah, what? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I really, maybe it was too subtle. Too subtle for me, Steve. And that ship (laughs) was pretty dark, so it was kind of hard. Yeah. Now, she remarks to Culber that the Barzans are known for diligence and poverty and that her family was devastated when they found out she would be joining Starfleet. Okay. Don't you want to live in poverty? No. (laughs) But as she checks the logs of Patriarch Dr. Addis, they realize things on the tick-off are much less homey than it seems. Culber finds the Addis family 
chirogenically kept, but all are dead. Yeah. He said, well, the reason why you keep someone frozen like that is so you can bring them back when you find a cure, but they're already gone. Yeah, yeah. we know they're already gone, Culber. They're dead. <laughs> That's why he froze them. Right. You see, there was a little cognitive dissonance there, too. <laughs> Yeah, that's why he froze them. That's why they froze Ted Williams upside down. Yeah. <laughs> Put his head on a can of tuna fish so they can bring him back later. We know he's dead. They're already gone. Yeah, we know. That's why he froze them. Right. You sure, Dr. Culber? <laughs> okay, sorry, Steve. There I go. Using the crack discovery engineering team, they're able to figure out that the tick-off was hit by a coronal mass ejection that killed everyone instantly. Or CME. Yeah. Addis survived, just happening to be beaming into the seed vault at the time, but is now living out of phase. Now, he initially fought off Michael, extremely protective of the seeds he finds essential to his fruitless mission of bringing his family back. But as the crew is able to bring him back to normal with a great scene in engineering, <laughs> he starts to come to terms with his reality. Now, Nan and Michael have to do the good cop, bad cop routine on Addis, <laughs> which eventually convinces him to give up the seeds and help save countless other families in spite of his own. However, he refuses to leave this ship despite him being days away from death with the radiation he received. You can live or you can die. Well, I'd rather die. Culber is beside himself. The situation opens up for an opportunity for Nan. She volunteers to stay behind and man the tick off, taking it back to Barzan so she can give Addis and his family a proper burial. She and Michael tearfully embrace as she commends the commander for finding the best in herself and others. As she and the Discovery leave, Nan looks out at them, ending one chapter and beginning another that has her finally reconnecting with her species. Yeah. Well, okay, <laughs> two things. <laughs> I guess we're to understand if you have that the uh, coronal mass injection and the radiation, you can't be brought back from it. Is that? Or did he think they died from something else? Yeah, I don't think he realized what they what actually killed his family. Yeah. And in the 31st century, there's no cure for radiation. <laughs> and uh, is well, not is if any you know other? that it's radiation that that happened right then. Yeah, I think in the 32nd century, if a ship got hit with it, they would be fine because they would know what they had to do and and do it to save everybody. Apparently, the tick-off and this Barzan family just had no clue what was happening to him, so it got but, his family and but, wasn't able to save him. Yeah, but now that they know what it is, right. the 31st or 2nd, whatever century, medicine should be able to cure them. It's only they get radiated and it breaks down all their organs. Right, you know and what that's what yeah, so, Culber couldn't figure out why Addis didn't want to be cured. And it's just because yeah, they can't bring the family back, I think. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, yeah, you can. Well, we've only seen what Spock be brought back from the dead. <laughs> That's so 23rd century. Yeah. <laughs> True. I know. Okay. <laughs> anyway, back at Federation headquarters, Brenham reports on a successful mission. Saru asks, uh, says Discovery stands ready for further assignments, but Vance warns that exploratory missions are now an unaffordable luxury. Huh. Well, they don't use money, so I do wonder. But they do have programmable matter, so what's holding them back? Right. So they should get more NARNs. They love living in poverty. <laughs> <laughs> Is that deal? They need more NARN influence. And what do they, they have one, a single NARN, and what do they do? Leave it aboard a, a seed ship. Way yeah. to go. Saru <laughs> <laughs> so tells Vance about the Dark Ages, time before the Renaissance, where humanity was 
was plagued by war and disease, but an an artist named Giotto helped launch the Renaissance by discovering three-point perspective, and the technique was used in two-dimensional art to represent three-dimensional depth. That was kind of cool. Nice metaphor, analogy. But even, he had a little Burnham in him there, like, let me explain this to you so you can understand it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good thing he didn't get slapped in the brig, too. Yeah. That inspired humans, Saru says, and discovers unique perspective could help the Federation of 3189 look up to the stars. Yes, 32nd century. We are. Yes. Vance admits they had been in triage for a long time, and Burton urges to keep discovery together with his crew. But Vance warns they are not yet dealt with the trauma of time travel, noting particularly that Detmer is unstable. Yes, second reference to that. But Burnham says they trust her. Well, it's a good thing she has her buddy Joanne sitting up at the yes. comms with her, too, because <laughs> she always has to lean over and tell her, like, you got this. Yeah. <laughs> Better not take Joanne off the bridge. Vance relents, but te- says discovery will go where he says when he orders it. Okay. I'm, I'm good with that. I like yep. nice hair. <laughs> Burnham asks about the burn, but Vance says there's not enough data to support any theory about its origin. It says the Federation is a more immediate concern. Hmm. I don't know. More cognitive dissonance there, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> is this multiplicity of theories deliberate? I mean, that's when I go back to this Kovic character. He knows something. Oh, yes. He absolutely knows something. And hmm. no, I just really don't think they have a clue as to what made the dilithium inert. Hmm. They just ain't figured it out. And it's going to be funny when our 23rd century scientists are able to figure it out and their oh, yeah, 30th they will. century scientists weren't. So <laughs> more to come, I'm sure. Yeah. Meanwhile, in Secbay, Culber gives the Keeley the antidote. And the Keeley struck me as a real Star Wars. Type yes, of they alien. look very oh. Star Wars. Very Star aliens. Wars. Yeah. Bruno asks Willa about the music you heard aboard the Teacoff. Willa replies that she and around half the people she had asked knew some version. Burnham questions how Addis, too far from the Federation headquarters to have traveled there before, who know about the same song as so many others. Well, it's, it's obviously this cosmic concert yes. that's also a clue <laughs> to what ha- to happened. Yeah. It's too much of a, it's not a coincidence. No. No, it's just part of the symptom of whatever happened. Yes. The event. We'll call it the event, oh, whatever right. the event was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on Discovery, Burnham runs into Giorgio Philippa in a corridor, but finds her standing unresponsive. That was weird. Yeah. Yes, it was. After, yes, after prompting her several times, Giorgio finally responds and brushes off Michael's concerns, but herself looks worried as she walks away. Boy, did she ever. Yes, it, and you've never that seen bird, her look that way. No, it, I don't know if she suspected Burnham or she suspected herself. She's definitely shaken, if she's shaken, and then you, know, you theorize she's not even she. Yeah. <laughs> It's possible. Later, Burnham and Saru stare out the window. The new Federation of the Future does not feel like home, she admits, but she hopes it will eventually. She adds that the Federation is, is its people, and she cannot separate them anymore, instead seeing one living organi- organism, as Saru states. He also admonished her uh, not to speak to Vance, in, or at least to speak uh, to Vance more carefully. Huh. <laughs> I know. I don't think she'll ever shake that. Yeah, I don't think so either. She's been here a year in the 32nd century, and 90% of the time she was on her own. So, yeah, I think yeah. when she feels a certain way, it's coming out. <laughs> she was like that before she hooked up with good yes, old book. I mean, yes. She, and and it's so strange. One. <laughs> yeah. Ever since season one, exactly. And yeah, she was arrested and thrown in jail. (laughs) They're going to throw her in jail. She couldn't keep her trap shut. So I had something sticking in my mind. 
about, well, oh, the, there's that incongruency that she was raised as a Vulcan. Right. Logic over everything. Now she doesn't see the logic in anything. <laughs> and she argues with everything. Where'd that Vulcan upbringing go to? Well, we saw it on, in season two for the most part. Mm. But yeah, season three, not a clue where it's gone. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you ready for some uh, Easter eggs? Oh, yeah. I don't know if I have any boomer talk. We already covered uh, Mikhail's Navy. Yeah, that's probably. <laughs> that's a good one. Mikhail's Navy and George Harrison. Everyone looked that up. Yep. <laughs> there was the greatest, there was the greatest singing crew ever. Look that up, non-boomers. Yeah. Okay. Among the Federation starships seen near the Federation headquarters was the USS Constitution. That was cool. Yes. The uh, original um, Enterprise was a Constitution class. Yes, Isn't it was. Isn't that correct? Yes. Yes. Uh, we had the USS Voyager J. Looked pretty close to the uh, yeah. original Voyager. Yeah. There's uh, going to be some discussion about that. <laughs> yeah. There's the USS Nog and the USS Armstrong. According to Alex Kurtman, the Nog was named after Starfleet Officer Nog. <laughs> I remember Nog fondly. Oh, yeah. And it's an Eisenberg-class vessel named in tribute to the actor. This is the first appearance of a 32nd century Starfleet starships. It's a mouthful. Some of the Starfleet ships in the 32nd century were stated to be composed of neutronium, alloy, a material which in 2375 was stated to be only theoretical by Federation scientists, as well as beyond the abilities of the Borg. And you can think of the uh, Voyager episode Think Tank for that one. Other ships were uh, had detached nacelles, a floating, there was the floating rainforest, and hulls composed of either organic material or holographic containment walls. They didn't show that, though. They're just, we showed them and and they were referring to it i mean we saw we saw the floating rainforest but i wanted to see that detached nacelles oh yeah and i don't know what that's got to do with the warp core yeah <laughs> or where they place it still in the ship i would imagine if they had a warp core yes <laughs> and i wanted to see the organic material too what is it like i don't know space whale right <laughs> everybody likes a space whale with a crew that'd be awesome yes <laughs> and holographic containment walls, yeah. What are the emi emitters for the holographic? Another ship? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to see that too. Exactly. How did you how'd you do that? Yeah. From the from the inside out, I guess. Yeah, I'd have to. Anyway, be. I guess so. <laughs> Captain Pike and Spock ensured that the nature of discovery would be lost to the ages for canon. Wow, that seems a little cruel, but that was the to. mission. Yeah, we saw yeah. Spock actually remove the spore drive information from all history, and we sh I'm sure Pike said that he'd take care of reporting that discovery had been destroyed. So yeah, they're right. Wipe clean. Century. There's not a lot of information on discovery. <laughs> Just about zero. There was one unnamed officer that tells Admiral Vance that the Emerald Chain and the alliance of Andorans and Orions is up to no good in the Sigma Draconis system. Emerald Chain. What do you suppose that refers to? We have the Emerald Necklace in the Boston area, but that's just a series of park that goes around Boston. Right, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I mean... Mm, nothing to do with green. We'll find out. Yeah. This is the same star system from the uh, TOS, the original series episode of Spock's Brain. And there's a huge holographic star chart at Starfleet uh, Command. It contains the name of a bunch of uh, planets from the entirety of the Trek canon. Some of the names are mirrored, which makes it tricky to read them all, but there, there's a few ones we uh, caught, like the Ankari homeworld. This alien species comes from the Voyager episodes Equinox Parts 1 and 2. There's Cardassia Prime, the homeworld of the Cardassians, primarily from Deep Space Nine. Thalos, while attempting to read this as... 
misspelled as Talos from the original series, it's not. Several planets in the Thalos system were referenced in both The Next Generation and DS9. There's Haley. Pronounced Haley? Yeah. I guess so. Here's Stokely. This is a Klingon planet in the Beta Quadrant. It has been referenced in Discovery and The Next Generation, starting with the next trending episode, Heart of Glory. Oh, here was a Georgiou reference. Georgiou shorts out the holograms interrogating by blinking at the same rate as their holomatrix cycles while asking illogical questions. <laughs> Why do you suppose that they chose? Why do they do everything? They don't, are they so short on people and that they need uh, holograms? Or they have a direct offshoot so. of the computer? And Yeah? Hmm. So. There's plenty of them walking around. Did right. you start he, When they walked in there, everyone's staring at them. But no one bothers to say hello. Right. Uh, say against orders to say hi or salute. I don't know. Conover's Kovic is a very intriguing character. Could he from the be from the mirror universe himself? Maybe. He is part of the 32nd century version of Section 31. Uh-oh. Some things never go away. And has he done something to Giorgio? As he understood Terran biology, so perhaps he got inside her head. I don't know, yeah, she definitely got her blank. That really knocked her off her her, her pedestal that she yes. likes sitting on top of. Absolutely. Hmm. I'm sure we're going to get more of that. Well, if you watched the teaser for next week, there's something. Yes. So if you haven't watched the teaser, watch the teaser. <laughs> The non-hail from a race of aliens called the, or non-did from a race of aliens called the Barzan in the Next Generation episode, The Price. The Barzan are trying to sell rice to a wormhole in their space. I don't know how you do that, but when you live in poverty, you'll sell anything. Yeah, and at that it time, wasn't the a good wormhole. That was one where the Ferengi tried to <laughs> outbid the uh, Starfleet on it, and yeah. ended up getting stuck on the other side of the wormhole. Hate it when that happens. Yeah. At that time, the Barzan were not a member of the Federation. Their planet was also known as Super Lion on other planets for assistance, which is why Non Leda says that her people are known for their poverty. Speaking of uh, the original series episode, Mirror Mirror, while trying to help the Federation seed ship, the USS Discovery encounters an ion storm. <laughs> well, this plot device has been used a lot in Star Trek. It is notably the reason why Kirk, Uhura, Scotty, and Bones accidentally beamed to the Terran ISS Enterprise in the episode Mirror Mirror. <laughs> nice. Good old Ion Storms. Yep. Yeah. Alright, well, we do have some feedback from Fred from the Netherlands, so let's take a listen. Hello, Steve and Dave. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 5. Very good episode. The amazement of the crew watching their arrival at Starfleet headquarters and standing at those windows really reminded me of the main crew of the original series in Star Trek The Motion Picture where they arrive at the space dock and see the Enterprise for the first time. I really wonder if we will see at a certain time also the Discovery crew in the uniforms of the new Federation. I really can understand the mistrust of the new Federation. So that they do their checkups and and need to have proof what the Discovery crew is telling them. I do understand. Although it feels for us a little bit too strict and unfriendly. Certainly after everything the Discovery had to go through, but of course they didn't know. I found it a little bit a trope that when Burnham said, okay, we have to prove ourselves and after that they will trust us. 
Well, they did the job, and at the end, everything is almost okay. I'm very sad that we lost Commander Nan, but there is still a possibility we will see her back. I still expect some tension between the Discovery crew and the new Federation. Although they did manage to keep the crew at least together. And of course we can expect that at the end the Discovery crew will solve the problem about the burn. We still have some mysteries about what is happening to Lieutenant Detmer. And is it just PTSD? What is happening to Georgiou? Is the news that the Terran Empire is drifting away too much even for her? That was all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Well, thank you so much for your feedback, Fred. And what do you think? Is it just that the Terran Empire is uh, no longer accessible to Giorgio that's got her so out of sorts? Or And does she think she could go back to it and be, uh, <laughs> you know, the emperor once again? <laughs> I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> now, of course, she might have known that the, they were separating at the time and figured, well, maybe I can build an empire in our wow. timeline. <laughs> That'd be <laughs> um, something. Yeah, Fred, I do think we'll still see some uh, conflicts between uh, Starfleet and especially Michael Burnham. Yeah. I'm not sure yeah. that Vance will send them to check out the Emerald Chain, but it sure looks like uh, Burnham, you know, book contacts Burnham, and we know how Burnham is right now. Mm-hmm. She gets something in her head. You aren't stopping her. <laughs> so that could become a major conflict in uh, episode six, that's for sure. Well, I'm glad to hear that your son did not have uh, a bad COVID experience and his symptoms were very minor. And I'm definitely glad to hear you're still safe, doing well. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on episode six. We'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season and looking forward to interacting on social media with all the great fans. How can the fans interact with us, Dave? Well, Steve, they can go to www.fangirlzone.com and click on the contact link where you'll find several ways to contact us via email or through social media. On Twitter, he's at Salyer Steve, and I'm at the Real ID Dave. Please review and rate us on iTunes as good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us as there are a lot of Star Trek Discovery podcasts out there. Tell your friends, and we do hope you're enjoying our podcast, and don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. The sixth episode is on November 19th and is titled Scavengers, so until then, remember... This is Chief Engineer Steve. Dysfunction is the team. And this is Richard Dave, and I may not come up with a new theory quite yet, but I think I planted the seed.